Hey everybody, welcome to Soul Punch Podcast. This is your host, CJ Barks. Yes, that is me. And I have a sweet, awesome, special guest with us today. Um, we have Dylan Bressy. He is the director of Young Life, is that correct? Yeah, the area director for Young Life in the Peace Country. Nice, area director. So that's like, you got a huge area. Yeah, I've got about a five-hour drive across my area. Oh man, that's crazy. So you do that lots? Yeah, I'm on the road at least two or three times a month. I'm in Dawson Creek about once every two weeks, in Slave Lake about once a month, and some other town at random points in my month. Oh, wow. Awesome. So you've been in Grand Prairie area for like how long now? Five and a half years. Five and a half years. Has it really been that long? It's been that long. Feels wow, like forever, man. eh? That's awesome. And so you primarily work with uh, students from schools and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. Can I explain how that works a little bit? Yeah, well, the point of Young Life is to be a place for kids who have no connection with the church whatsoever, right. to have a place to come, to experience some Christian community, to have a chance to hear about who Jesus is. Hmm. And that's kind of where your story kind of starts in there, isn't it, with Young Life? Yeah, totally. So uh, I got involved in Young Life. I was a grade 11 guy, and all my friends started disappearing on every Wednesday night to this thing called club. Hmm. And for, at first, I was like, you guys got fake IDs? You got into a club? What's that like? <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. We weren't at a club. We were at Young Life Club. And I started asking them what it's about, and they explain that it's this religious... Th well, they don't explain it's this religious thing, but I pick up it's this religious thing. I'm like, you guys are going to a Christian thing on Wednesday nights? Lame. There's no way I'm going to that. And so I spent a year being a really lonely person on Wednesday nights where my friends... We're going to this Young Life Club. There's no way I was going to. And then I didn't know, though, that eventually that place was going to completely change my life. Oh, wow. So, like, what was kind of like your environment growing up before this point in your life? So, my parents, they split up before I even really remember them being together. Hmm. And it was, I'd spend a, I spent most of all my school living with my mom, and she kind of had this pattern of meet a guy, build a life with him, break up with him, hmm. move towns because she didn't want to see him anymore. Meet a new guy, build a life with him, break oh, okay. up with him, move towns. So that was my elementary school years. And then in junior high, um, it was my family just recognized how bad a pattern that was. Hmm. So they packed me up. My mom was in Ontario. They moved me across the country to live with my dad. And my dad was one of those guys. He was a great dad, except for he's an alcoholic. And every two or three months, he'd go on this month or two long binge. And it hmm. just, it wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. So then... You were lonely on Wednesday nights. All these dudes were like, hey, this is a party. You should come. And eventually, what what, what made you decide to go? Just, you know, wanted to be with people? or? Well, there were two things that that made a change for me. One, and the biggest one, was I met this guy named Scott Gage in my high school cafeteria one day. And he was this 30-year-old dude. Well, he felt like 30 back then. He's probably like 24, 25 <laughs> at the time. <laughs> but he was this older dude than me who wasn't a teacher. And he was in my cafeteria. And I thought that was so bizarre that he was there. Hmm. I was actually almost uncomfortable by him being there. So he introduced himself to me. He goes, hey, man, my name's Scott. I go, oh, that's funny. My name's Scott, too. <laughs> and we have this really awkward three-minute conversation about how he talk he's talking about how we have such a great name. That's funny that our names are the same. And then my best friend, Owen, who's tried to get me to Young Life Club, comes up and says, yeah, his name's Dylan. And I go, yeah, you're dumb for believing that. Oh, wow. Away. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, so I just put him on the spot. But the next day, I run into him in the school hallways. Yeah. And he says, hey, man, I didn't actually catch your real name yesterday. And I introduced my name to him. And then yeah. the, a week later, he says he runs into me again. He says, hey, Dylan, how's it going? Hmm. And I just start this friendship up with Scott where 
it got to the point where he started coaching our rugby team and i made air quotes here in this room because he knew nothing about rugby oh, he was yeah. really just this glorified like 25 year old water boy from his high school team <laughs> but he'd come every single week and he'd cheer me on in my rugby games and my parents they weren't there cheering me on i never had mm. anybody cheer me on at a game right and he kept on coming and as i and eventually i learned that he was a young life leader and i thought my friends are going to this thing called young life and scott he leads young life or something like that and Scott seems kind of cool, so maybe this Young Life thing's kind of cool. And I start thinking, hey, I want to check it out. But at that point, I dug in my heels, hmm. and I literally cursed my friends out when they'd been inviting me to this Christian thing. So I'm like, well, I got pride. I can't just show up. <laughs> and then my friend Owen one day, he tells me, hey, dude, do you realize that Jillian Bellingham goes to Young Life? <laughs> and she was gorgeous. I'd had a crush on her for like a year and a half. Oh, yeah. And I barely ever even talked to her, but I was like, if Jillian's there, then I am so <laughs> going to Young Life. So that very next Wednesday was the excuse I needed. That very next Wednesday, I run in. Everybody, there's all these people from my school who I've seen around, but I've never really talked to. And they seem I'm excited. They seem to be excited for me to be there. I'm giving them high fives like, this is awesome, this is awesome, this is awesome. Jillian Bellingham wasn't there. Oh. Turns out she never once went to Young Life. Oh, no. It was totally my friend Owen knew what would get me there. <laughs> so maybe not the best tactic, but it got you in the door. <laughs> yeah, not a tactic that I'd advocate, but it sure worked for me. <laughs> but then you kept going after that. Yeah, so I went there, and there was just something about that room that I'd never experienced before. There was something about all these people from my high school seeming excited that I was there. There was... Hmm. Uh, we played some games, and I thought they were fun. At Young Life, we sing music, and we sing it really loud and really bad. <laughs> and at first, the first time somebody comes to Young Life Club, usually they're like, this is weird. These people are all singing. And I remember seeing that and just standing with my arms crossed the back of the room, being like, there's no way I'm doing that. Yeah. And then I realized how bad they were at singing <laughs> and how much fun they were having. I thought, well, I can sing badly. <laughs> and so I got into it, and I just thought it was this hilarious, goofy thing we were doing. And I just have such a blast <laughs> until the end of the night. When we're all sitting on the floor and one of the leaders says that young life, we like to sing loud. We like to sing bad. We like to make friends. We yeah. like to have fun, but we also like to have conversations about real life. Hmm. And I know that that's the religious part of the night. And I turned to my friend Owen who brought me and I'm like, dude, I'm so out of here. This just isn't my, isn't my gig. Right. And he says, no man, it's probably not what you're thinking. Just check it out. It's actually kind of cool. But I just knew that I was either going to be told that I was a horrible person hmm. or I was going to be made to made to just be incredibly bored for the next like two hours as they preached to me was what I was kind of picturing. So I'm like, no way, man, I'm out of here. I'm walking out of that door and that leader up front says, and the person who's talking today is this guy named Scott Gage, a person mm. that many of you know. And I remember thinking two things. A, all my friends are sitting here and they're about to listen to him. And that's weird because I know a lot of my friends, they aren't into this Jesus stuff. Right. So why are they listening? That's weird. I'm kind of curious why they're here. Mm. But I also realize that it's my friend Scott who's going to talk. Right. And I respected Scott, and there's no way I was going to be disrespectful enough to just walk out that room when he was talking. Yeah. And also, there was something different about him, and I was kind of intrigued. So I sat down, I listened to him talk, and all he talked about was the story of Jesus calming the storm. Hmm. And I don't remember what the point of his talk is. I don't even really remember much about it, except for I remember this vivid picture of Jesus in that boat getting lashed by water yeah. and him just telling it to shut up and it shuts up. Yeah. And I just remember this vivid picture of Jesus I had in my head when he was talking that night. Mm -hmm. It was like nothing I'd ever heard. There's just something in me that was like, 
I think this lo- this is a load of BS, but I've got to hear it because I'm so intrigued. I'm so curious about this. Yeah. And it was just something there, even at the time when I was like, I don't believe this at all. There's still something there. I was like, but mm-hmm. it's so intriguing at the same time for me. Mm-hmm. Just kind of really stuck in your head, right? Something to think about. Like, so you went, kind of had this experience. Uh, were you what were you wrestling with in your in your head at this time? Like, you know, I I don't know if I believe this stuff, but there seems to be something there. Like, well, and I knew I didn't believe this stuff. I remember I don't know if it was that night or if it was a couple weeks later, but I remember very vividly having a talk with my friend Owen, where he was uh, he's the guy that brought me, and he was a church kid growing up. I don't think he was really Christian, but he went to church right every week, and I remember having a conversation with him and telling him. You know, this stuff, I find it interesting, but it's just a load of who, of hooey. I don't think I used words that nice, <laughs> but <laughs> right. I remember yeah. really explicitly saying to him, this stuff, I don't believe it at all. I think you guys are kind of dumb for believing it, hmm. but it's so interesting at the same time. Right. And so I keep on coming, keep on coming, keep on coming. And then eventually I go to a Young Life summer camp and that was the first place that I had the full gospel explained to me. Right. At club, I heard these little stories about Jesus. But at club, that was the first time that I ever heard the story about Jesus dying on the cross for me. Mm-hmm. And I remember I remember vividly, I was still in the mindset of, I want to know what Christians believe because I'm intrigued by it. And they're such a big part of our society. Right. And I remember having that, like, just intellectual. I just want to know what these guys believe, but I don't believe it at all. And mm-hmm. there's something in the five minutes of being told about Jesus dying for me, there was something in me that just broke completely. Mm-hmm. And I remember being... So I was actually angry. I was, uh, I was, the thought in my head was, how dare somebody do something like that for me when I didn't ask them to? And there was, there was this anger, but there's also the sadness in me. And I don't know, there was just something that broke within me where it was, Mm. now I know it was the Holy Spirit hitting me between the eyes with a two by four. But at the time I'm like, what the heck just happened? Mm. So I remember um, sitting on this little rock, the camp was on the ocean. And I remember sitting on this rock looking at the ocean for like three hours listening to the camp have fun while I'm just like, holy smokes, what mm. just happened? What is the story? And just yeah. like completely wrecked. Huh. And then I remember going into the dorm and my friend Owen just happens to be there. And he's like, hey, dude, what happened? I didn't see you all day. And he starts reading the Bible and he shares the story of the resurrection with me. And I just remember that night, the first time somebody sat down and read the Bible with me hmm. and... I don't know if I met Jesus that night. I don't know if I met him a few months later. I really don't think conversion's like a black and white, it happens thing. Yeah. But that was definitely a big milestone sitting on the floor with my friend Owen, with him reading the Bible. It was kind of cool about it was he was a church kid who didn't really buy a lot of this stuff for most of his life. Hmm. And we've had conversations about that night since. And he'd actually say that that was one of the significant nights in his conversion oh, too. Really? Wow. He was this guy that had heard it, that knew it all but he saw it becoming real in my life. Hmm. It was kind of fun that we both had that experience of the Holy Spirit just hitting us between the eyes with the two by four. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, So what for you was like, um, like the turning point? Do you think it was now that you look back at it, you think it was now the experience of just the Holy Spirit hitting you with the reality of what Jesus Christ has done um, or do you think that kind of everything like built up to that, like God was working through your friend Scott and God was working through your friend Owen and, and the whole like club kind of a thing. Um, do you think that, you know, those aspects were just as important as the Holy Spirit, you know, hitting you between the, the head kind of thing? 
Yeah, totally. I think the reason I believed it was because there was something there was something so different right. about these young life people I was hanging out hmm. with. And I want to be really clear about that. I don't think that young life's anything unique. Right. I don't yeah, think yeah. it's that these young life people I was with were awesome. I think it's that they were the first authentic Christian community that I'd ever been around. Right. Right. And so it wasn't they were young life people. It was that these they were these Jesus people, really. Yeah. But there was something about these people in my school that actually took an interest in me. And high school, it could be brutal, the people you're around. Oh, yeah. And it was the sense of, there are these people in my school all of a sudden that I didn't have to prove myself around. And mm. I was I was this obnoxious jerk in school. <laughs> and largely, it was a compensation for me, where I was like, I'll just be a jerk to everyone. Oh, and okay. then when they reject me, it'll I'll know that it's my own fault. I don't know why. Right. And these people, no matter how obnoxious I was, they still were always asking me, hey, are you coming to club this week? Hey, are you coming to hang out with us on the weekend? There's just a sense of excitement I had there. There was a sense of peace among, of peace among them where it was just it just felt like whether I was at a Young Life club or whether I was playing board games with these people, that the drama of high school just kind of melted away and went to the background sometimes. Right. Not that they were perfect, yeah, yeah. but just that they were different than the, than the people in my school. And Scott and the other Young Life leaders, they were these... Older people, I didn't have healthy relationships with my family. Yeah. And they were, they weren't the first adults that loved me, but they were the first adults who loved me at the same time would have real conversations with me and would say, and who didn't, who I didn't feel like I had to put a front up around. Right. And there's just something so different about these people Mm -hmm. that was so attractive at the same time. So I think that it was, I think the reason that when I first heard about Jesus dying for me, why it wasn't just this emotional thing for me, it was also this. This so makes sense of the things that I've been seeing in these people. Right. So I got to see it lived out. I got to yeah. see it changing my friends' lives and changing my life before I even really heard the whole mm. story. Wow. So um, so for your friends, was it like a huge step out that they had to do into your life? Like I'm thinking like if we're, you know, talking to high school students today right now, um, it's not like, you know, these kids got up in the cafeteria and started preaching, right? But this was just in their everyday interactions with you, right? Like, you know, just in how they treated you, you know, you were obnoxious, but yet they showed you that love, you know, which is Christ's love to us. Right. You know, and so it was like, I think I've heard somebody say it's uh, being Jesus with skin on. Right. You know, here and now in this place um, to the people that are around you. Right. But I don't think like it was any huge steps of faith that they had to take in that, you know, being like, hey, you know, I'm going to get on this table and, you know, share the gospel. It was more in a in a small, you know personal way with just like one of the friends that they had right yeah well i mean they weren't obnoxious in i don't even think all of them were not even all the kids that invited me to young life and that i was excited about were christians right where so it definitely wasn't in that regard but there definitely was acts of faith in that i didn't know it at the time but they faithfully prayed for me for mm. every week for six months they wow. get together and they pray for me and um owen even though i don't think he even really believed in god he prayed <laughs> for me almost every single day because <laughs> the leaders challenged him to. Wow. And uh, like, I kind of downplayed how mean I was to my friends when they were inviting me to Young Life hmm. and how kind of brutal I was about them going to this dumb Christian thing. Yeah. And But they still kept on inviting me again and again and again and again and again, and not in an obnoxious way. Well, sometimes in an obnoxious way. But, <laughs> but yeah, like it would have been so easy for them to say, Hey, here's our here's this thing that we're experiencing at Young Life. Here's these new friends we're making. Dylan, he's not into that, so we're just gonna abandon him. We're just gonna go do our own thing, and Dylan could care for himself if he doesn't want to take care of that. But they didn't. They were faithful to me, and they didn't right. just 
They didn't let me isolate myself. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, sweet, man. It's awesome to have friends like that. Um, so you go to summer camp, you know, kind of meet God, meet the Holy Spirit, you know, and he, he rocks your world. Um, like what happened from then on, then on out? Cause you were, was that grade 11 or 12 you were at a camp or? Yes. Yeah, so that was between my grade 11 and my grade 12 year. And then I remember coming back and being on the bus and having a conversation with me and my friend Owen and our young life leader, Scott, mm-hmm. him saying, Hey guys, you had such a good week. And I think you guys lives changed this week, but just so you know, that's not just for you. That's also for the people in your school. And we're going to be talking this, this year about how do you change your school and how do you help your friends see their okay. lives change? And then Scott didn't know it at the time, but um, over the summer, our young our young life ministry in our school just kind of completely fell apart where oh, no. he went from having five volunteers plus, he was on young life staff, but he went from having five volunteers to just him and his wife. Hmm. And he went from, when I met him, I met him in my high school cafeteria and he kind of had free reign of the school. And then... Not because of Young Life, because, uh, but because of another Christian group in another high school that I was in Calgary at the time. And the school board banned all religious groups from having anything to do with the school. Uh-huh. So all of a sudden, he went from being able to be in the school every day yeah. to being told he wasn't allowed within a couple hundred feet of school property. And Oh, man. Yeah, well, it was, it's one of those brutal things, but it was one of those God things that worked out so well where what happened was that my grade 11 year when I started to come to club, there were probably about 30 of us in that room every night doing Young Life Club, hearing about Jesus. And Scott had a good team of volunteers. He has, he's in the school every day. And then the very next year, he's got no leaders. He's not allowed in the school. And I think he really had a point of, is this thing going to sink now? It might be over. But he turns to me and my friend Owen <laughs> and another guy named Sean who became one of my best friends at summer camp. He turns to mostly us three, but also a few other of the Christian kids who are in our Young Life Club. And he says, if you guys want Young Life to happen, it's on you guys to make it happen. I can support you guys, but I can't be in the school. I don't have volunteers. Hmm. This is really going to be you guys making this happen this year. And he started getting together with a bigger group of kids from my school once a week. And also just me and my friend Owen and my friend Sean once a week. Hmm. And in those times, we studied the Bible together. And it was the first time I ever studied the Bible. But we also prayed for our friends. And we talked about how would we share the things we're learning in the Bible with our friends. Mm. And that year, we got to see our Young Life Club go from about 30 kids coming every single week to our biggest one of the year was 97 kids. Oh, awesome. Wow. And we got to see um, two months after meeting Jesus, I remember walking down the alleys with this guy named Tristan, and he's talking about how he's just getting into karate and talking about how he's excited to find some inner strength Mm. and to learn to be kind of the master of his destiny. I remember that was the first time that I ever got to talk about Jesus with somebody huh. and saying, well, I kind of got over that, figuring out that I have to be the master of my own destiny. Here's mm. what I know about God. And seeing that semester of Tristan, he meets Jesus and his life changed like my mind changed. And oh, we had man. a couple dozen of those stories of kids in our schools changing. And it was really God working through me, my friend Owen, my friend Sean, yeah. and some of our other friends in the school. And that's what made faith real to me, mm. where I had this experience at camp And I think it could have been so easy to be, hey, that was a great Jesus experience. I'll treasure that memory forever, but it has no lasting impact on my life. I think it could have been so easy to do that. But I got to be a part of seeing my school change over the next year, and that just so cemented my faith. Yeah. So when when, uh, Scott comes to you and is like, hey, I can't be in this school. This is on you guys. What what was your response to that? I was excited. It seemed like a... 
I think adult 34-year-old Dylan would be, or 32 or however old I am, Dylan. <laughs> I think, yeah. I, I think if if I can't, if somebody came to me with a challenge like that today, I've got to worry that I'd be like, oh, I'm out. That's too stressful. Okay. But as a high school student, I think me and my friend Owen and my friend Sean, we were like, well, we got nothing to lose. It's our last year of high school. Okay. It could be about getting into college and having good grades, but this sounds like a lot funner. <laughs> we got nothing else to lose. Let's do it. <laughs> Uh, so it wasn't anything like, oh, I'm, you know, I just met Jesus this summer. I, I can't do this. Were those any kind of thoughts that you had at that point? Not at all, because I just met Jesus. I didn't know any better. I <laughs> think that it was like, I was like, my life got changed. This is exciting. Right. Of course, everybody else's life is going to change. Of course, I was going to be excited about everybody else. I just, mm. I, I knew nothing else except for that the news of who Jesus is right. was life changing in me. Yeah. And I was excited and I was passionate about it. Oh, man. Yeah, I think, I know for me, when stuff like that came to me when I was in high school, because I've been raised in a you know, Christian home my whole life, it was like, oh, I'm not good enough to, hmm. to lead that, right? You know, I haven't, I haven't gone to Bible college, and I'm not ready to you know, take leadership of that. But I think sometimes it's God's like, no, y- you've met me. You know my goodness and grace, and you know what other people need. He's like, just spread it, right? And I think, yeah, yeah that's the beauty of your story, just being like, you know what? I didn't know. You know, those that people have those those issues. I was like, this is awesome. Jesus changed my life. I want to see him change other people's lives. And that's awesome, man. Like, that is so cool. Um, just how God worked that that in your life. Um, what um, what would you say from then till now? Because, I mean, you're still involved with Young Life. So, I mean, that was pretty big in your life, formative years. So, um, there's probably some point in your life you're like, you know what? I want to be involved in this ministry. Um, like, when, when did all that happen? Yeah, I just kind of stumbled into it where I think that I graduated high school, and if I'm going to be brutally honest, the real reason I became a Young Life leader out of high school was because all my friends were becoming Young Life leaders. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I'm enjoying Young Life, yeah. and I also think there's an aspect of I was like, I want to continue growing in my faith, mm. and I want to, and there's something special here, but I think I really became a Young Life leader for largely selfish reasons. Mm. Um but it was, I became a Young Life volunteer leader out of high school. Hmm. And it was so fun. And all of a sudden, I was hanging out with these junior high kids. I was a junior high leader at first. And I was yeah. hanging out with these junior high kids who I was having so much fun with. And I was getting to be the Scott in their life. Nice. And I got to see their lives change. And after doing that for a few years, I was just like, I'm hooked. I don't need to be doing Young Life for the rest of my life, but I need to be doing something like Young Life for the rest of my life. Right. I was just so hooked on the idea of, it's the best job in the world that I get to hang out with these kids who <laughs> yeah. they know nothing about Jesus and they're completely uninterested in Jesus. Hmm. And I know that if I get a chance just to have either myself or some of the people I work with earn the right to tell them the story of who Jesus is, right. their lives are going to change. And it is just so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, um, what has been, um, you know, from from then till now or in in your life what has been your your biggest time of wrestling you know with you know what you're going through or a question that you know you've been like god i don't understand this um kind of what was that wrestling and and what did god do to, to bring you through that or you know give you peace in that hmm. i think one of my i think my biggest struggle has been how do i do christian community how do i do church community hmm. where it's I grew up not going to church, and most and most of my friends, even in my college years, weren't ch- weren't church people. Right. And so part of it is is 
church, it's not my, there's a, there's a culture within church that I didn't grow up in and I'm not familiar mm-hmm. in. And there's a part of us mm-hmm. where it's, you, you hang out, you naturally spend time where you're comfortable. And I think there's a lot of Christians who they have to really challenge themselves to be hanging out with their coworkers or with their friends that right. don't have, that don't have faith that aren't part of Christian community. I'm kind of the opposite <laughs> the other way. of, I have to challenge myself to, no, you need to actually get into Christian community. Mm. I think part of that is, is I've struggled over the years just be just being in churches and seeing just a lack of it, just a lack of life in some ways mm-hmm. and a lack of it I had the privilege of not hearing this till I was 17 and knew how much I needed Jesus right. and so it was this thing that I cling clung onto and it was so yeah, exciting yeah. for me and I know I've just struggled over the years being in church being like this sure doesn't sound exciting <laughs> it look everybody looks like they're looks like they're bored here and there's no grand adventure here and right. how do you reconcile that of mm. here are the people of God but they're not they're not sense of this adventure of who Jesus is right I know there's always been this I've, I know there's always been this kind of painful, do I get plugged into a church? How do I get plugged into a church? And this thing of, it'd be so easy just not to even wrestle with, not even work with Christian community, just to right. go to where I'm comfortable, go to yeah. go to where, go to where I, yeah. But it's always been this wrestle of, no, I know that Christian community is so important. I know that there's, there's things in the church, there's that, um, there's tradition of right. thousands of years that I need to be connected with. There's mm-hmm. people where... Maybe at times they don't have the same excitement that I have, but they have faithfulness over 60 years. Yeah, <laughs> they have yeah. faithfulness over twice my life that I need to get. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a grounding need to, need to get there. And also realizing that, um, all right, well, there's something that I contribute to the church I'm part of. Mm. And if there's things in a church that frustrate me that I can't just be like, okay, I'm washing my hands of this. Right. Instead of going, okay, God, so how do I help this community right. be the yeah. people you call to be? Yeah, I mean, that's the body, right? Everybody's needed, you know? You can't have just a bunch of hands and just a bunch of feet. Yeah. You need every, every part to contribute to, to build it up and make it strong, yeah. Um, if you could take one stab at this, I know this is, you know, there's probably hours you could talk about this, but when you you see a lot of churches and you see that there's, uh, you call it a boredom, you know, I think some people would say it's a lack of life almost. Yeah. I mean, it's not that they're not living, but it's just, it doesn't seem to have that excitement and that passion. What do you think, you know, is some of the main reasons or reason that you can think of? I know this is a complete stab in the dark for yeah. you here. Uh, what do you think that some reasons for that would be, you think? Well, I think the two words that it comes down to is identity and kingdom, hmm. where I think it's, first of all, what do we build our identity on? And I think this is the biggest question that humans wrestle with, <laughs> where I think the best definition of sin I've ever heard is sin is whenever we build our identity on something besides God. Hmm. And I think that there's this sense of, is our identity based on, um, is it based on our family or is it based on our achievements, whether that's in school, sports, or work? Is it based on our net worth? Is it based on the friends we hang out with? Is it based Hmm. on our fashion? Is it based on looking like the good Christian person? Right. Or is our identity based on, I'm a person that God created yeah. and that God created to do awesome things in this, this world with. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sell out everything to be, to live in that full identity. And all I care about is that God loves me and that God's working, working with me and through me. Mm-hmm. So like identity, I think there's also the idea of kingdom of there's this, the story of Jesus is there's this kingdom of God that's breaking into this world. Right. And there's this kingdom of God that I'm a citizen of. And, 
it's how do I live out that citizenship? And it's this great adventure I'm on. Yeah. Of it's the biggest it's the biggest adventure, it's the biggest war, it's the it's the biggest love story hmm. is this king is transforming the world to be like his kingdom. And I get to be on the front lines yeah. of that thing breaking into this world. Yeah, I mean, if that's not kind of in the forefront of your mind, that brings a lot of life and energy and passion to everything that you do in life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, awesome. Dylan, I want to give you, you know, 30 seconds to, you know, we got all kinds of people listening, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but give you 30 seconds to whatever you feel is on your heart that you want to share. Um, uh, giver. Yeah, and I've just been, uh, earlier this week, I read that story talking about the kingdom of God, about the guy who he's working in a field, right? and he finds a treasure in that field, and he goes home, and he sells everything he's got to buy that field and get that treasure. Yeah. And I've just been thinking about how risky that was of him, where <laughs> I'm thinking as I'm selling my house, as I'm selling my car, as I'm explaining to my to my wife why I'm cr crashing out of our bank accounts. Yeah, yeah. And I know there'd be a part of me going, did I imagine it there? <laughs> or what if the owner knew it was there and he's going to dig it up and take it before he gives me the field? Yeah, totally. Or there's this great risk that he that he took there. But he goes and he changes his, and he finds his treasure and I'm sure it changes his life. Yeah. I'm sure that all of a sudden he's rich and that means that his life's changed for obvious ways. But also the impact he's probably able to have on the life of his kids, the life of his family, the yeah. life of his community as he uses it for generosity. Yeah. And I think the kingdom of heaven's like that. And I hope that I I hope that I could continue to be like grade twelve Dylan, who was <laughs> like, No, that sounds like a great adventure. I get to change my school. Well, I'll risk my social status, I'll risk my grade twelve year yeah. to be part of this adventure venture mm -hmm. coming in. And I hope that I I hope that myself and the people I know were always gonna be excited to take that risk, to find mm -hmm. this treasure, to say, I'm going to give up everything that I've built my identity on mm -hmm. to lean into this kingdom of God and be part of digging it up, not just for ourselves, but for the people around us. Awesome. Um, well, we're drawn to an end here, but I was told by someone to ask you about your khakis. Ask me about my khakis? Yeah. <laughs> Who's telling you this? I can't remember who it was, but there's is there some story there? Well, it's not so much about khakis. It's a little known fact about Dylan. Well, actually, a widely known fact about Dylan <laughs> Bressy is that I have not worn jeans since I was six years old. So that seriously, yeah. So I have not worn jeans in twenty six years. Wow. So you just go khakis all the time. Well, I used to go khakis all the time, and then about a year and a half ago, I ended up getting a little bit stylish, and Ooh. right now I'm wearing corduroys. Cords. Wow. I've got some chinos now. <laughs> But probably for, so if I haven't worn jeans in 26 years, that means for about 24 and a half years, I wore nothing but shorts and khakis. Wow. No sweatpants? Oh, sweatpants, dude. Yeah. But the problem with sweatpants is I like sweatpants with pockets ah. and elastic ankles. Do you know how hard those are to find? So you just find sweatpants with one or the other, but both of those is impossible wow. to find. Well, if anybody out there listening can find you some sweatpants with elastic waist and ankles. That's the money right there. You'll be my best friend if you help me find those. <laughs> this is funny. We were talking earlier before we started recording about how um, we're not stylish anymore. <laughs> and Dylan's <laughs> like, I was never stylish. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks so much, Dylan, for coming in and uh, taking the time to just say, you know, what the journey that God has brought you on and uh, the journey that he's still taking you on and through. And just I love your passion, your love for life and, and the uh, adventure 
that that being a son and a daughter of God means in our lives. Um, so thanks a lot. I uh, pray that God blesses you. And thank you all for listening to Soul Punch Podcast. Peace out. Soul Punch. Soul Punch.